Hey, welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And the Claim the Stage podcast is all about public speaking. And on today's episode, we are talking about two of the biggest topics that you can possibly think of when you think of public speaking, courage and confidence. I love today's guest. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Janet Whalen. She is the founder of BeAmbitiousForHer.com. She's a coach and she really focuses on helping women to build courage in order to build confidence. And we get into this whole discussion today about what comes first, courage or confidence? And how do you build confidence? And what are the steps and what are the mistakes that women make? And she shares some really good tips and some great stories to help get us thinking differently about this subject. Because once you can master courage, you can do a lot of things, not just public speaking, which is big, but lots of other things in your life as well. Before we jump into that interview, I want to share that this episode is sponsored by Told Video, original thoughtful storytelling for your brand. Here to help you with your next step in marketing, a meaningful video. Let your story out into the world, get it told. Learn more at toldvideo.com. And Rebecca Rideau, who's the founder of Told Video, was on last episode, episode 103. We talked all about the benefits of having a video if you are a speaker. So if you haven't heard that yet, definitely take a listen. But for today, our episode is with Janet Whalen. And without further ado, here is our interview. Janet Whalen is a co-active career transition, courage, and confidence coach at BeAmbitiousForHer.com, coaching practice for mid-career women who are ready to excel in their working lives, learn to effectively self-advocate and take on leadership roles without sacrificing their individuality or femininity, whatever that means to them. Janet also hosts She Breaks the Mold, the podcast for women who are ambitious for themselves and each other at work. I was a recent guest on that show and it highlights women succeeding in male-dominated fields or who are doing work that lifts up other women and provides inspiration to any woman, young or old, to take on their courageous goals even when they seem scary. So Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Angela. I'm really excited to be here. I love having you on my show and couldn't wait to come and chat with you again. Yeah, we had such a great conversation and I kept thinking, I can't wait for part two when I have her on my podcast. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. <laughs> great. Well, the first question I like to ask every guest I have on my show before we jump into your advice and stories is how did you get into this type of work? Yeah, it's, it's funny because it's not really, well, somewhat related to my old work, but not 100%. So I used to be a marketer and I did that for quite a few years in large corporations and at a not-for-profit. I worked with a tech entrepreneur. I like kind of the whole gamut, different marketing and promotion or promotions and PR roles. And in my last role, working to support startup entrepreneurs and helping them to pitch themselves and their business ideas, it was so clear to me the difference between the female entrepreneurs and the males and how even the young guys who were practically right out of school with like a wish and an idea, <laughs> and they were so confident to, you know, be putting themselves on panels and talking like they were decades long experts on topics. And compared to maybe a 35 year old woman who had 10 
12 years business experience and was now, you know, starting out on her own and did not have that confidence and actually felt unable to compete with that young 22 year old guy. And I just thought, whoa, like, why are we still here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like a big slap in the face, partly that I'd missed it, that, you know, I expected things to be different by now and they kind of weren't. And it really got me to start thinking about what's behind this. And so I started She Breaks the Mold as a blog, actually, just to do a little research for myself on women and negotiation and how hard it is for us to self-advocate. And it got me just down this rabbit hole of unconscious bias and all of the reasons that society, you know, penalizes us when we try to, to do so. And then I thought, what am I doing? Like, I want to do this. I want to help women with this. So I went to school to become a coach and now here I am. (laughs) So I love that story. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's how a lot of these winding stories kind of happen is you see something that catches your eye and you go, what is, what is going on there? And then the new, the new track starts. So I love that you followed that, that curiosity. Yeah. That's what it was really. Yeah. Today's episode is about courage versus confidence. And you say that you want women to focus on courage, not confidence. So how do you define each one and why should they focus on courage? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny because I think they go hand in hand and we had a bit of this conversation when you were on my show too. And it's not that I don't want them to focus on confidence. It's that I think there's an order to it. So I think courage is the action and confidence is the result of that action. So if you put it in those simple terms, it's a little easier to understand, but I can explain further. So I think as women, we're bombarded with this idea that we're not confident enough, right? And if you look at a lot of the articles that are being written now for women at work and women entrepreneurs, it's all around finding your confidence and how to look confident if you don't feel it and Or something about how we don't hold ourselves as confident as men do or in the same way that men do. And I think that might be true, but there can also be a good side to that. Because like in my example of these young entrepreneurs I just gave, I think sometimes the confidence that men exude isn't 100% real. Like I think they buy into this fake it until you make it thing a little bit more than we do. And they're encouraged to do so by society and by other people of their own gender. And I think it doesn't feel real to women sometimes, maybe that it's a little inauthentic. So we're constantly chasing this feeling called confidence that we think is required before we can take a step towards something we've never done before, right? So, you know, we don't actually ever realize that we're looking at it backwards. I don't think we need the confidence first. I think we need the courage first. And we have that within us to draw upon when something's important enough to require it. And So we can talk about that a little bit more if you want. But just to get to your next question, I want women to to focus on courage first because A, we all have access to it. B, it's this true starting place. And without it, like I said, confidence can come across hollow. And people pick up on that. Like even our body language can betray if we're not really feeling it right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. And I, like, I think we also have a tendency to confuse confidence with the feeling of, or lack of confidence with the feeling of anxiety or nervousness, right? So like in your case, you know, speaking publicly is 
something that's terrifying and people can feel shaky and sweaty and jittery and whatever, but that doesn't mean they're not confident. It just means they're a little nervous. Like they're about to be very vulnerable and put themselves out in a, you know, in front of everybody to be looked at and and potentially judged. But that doesn't mean that they're not confident enough to be there. That means they're ready to take a courageous step. I love that, that you can have nerves and be confident at the same time. I think that there's some belief that you can be one or the other. Like, yeah. And and it's actually not true. That's great. That makes me feel really good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think we, it's just this big confusion around labeling a bunch of emotions as the same thing, right? You know, it's really vulnerability that we're expressing in those moments. It's not lack of confidence. It's, you know, I'm about to stand in front of you and, you know, do this thing, but it's not the same as if I was going to go run through the street naked, (laughs) right? I I might have all the skills I need to stand there and talk about this thing. Like, for instance, like talking to you today, right? I really like you and I really respect you and I really like your podcast. So it's important to me to help you do a good job bringing an interview to your listeners. So I'm a little nervous about that, but that doesn't mean that I am not confident about my topic Hmm. or that I'm not, you know, I don't feel good about the work that I do. So that's where I see the difference. Yeah. And nerves can really come from caring, not lack of knowledge or ability. It's just, you want to do a good job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I love this idea that courage come or confidence comes from courage, but what, what are some steps that women can take if they're not feeling courageous? How do they, how do they get there? Yeah. And that's a really good question. And I think it's the, you know, clearly it's the first thing that everybody asks because (laughs) What if you don't feel it? I think it starts with acknowledging that, you know, courageousness involves feeling scared. So, you know, if you're not afraid, you won't need the courage, right? So the truth is there's no magic in acting when you don't feel courageous. And I know that that could sound like a cop-out to a lot of people, but I think it's not. It's one of those things that's like a simple answer with a complicated (laughs) process behind it, you know, until you spend some time figuring out what your values are. So like you said just a minute ago, when you care about the result, when you care about what you're doing, the nerves and everything else don't matter as much. So you have to start from a place of knowing what's important for you. And it doesn't matter how many tips I give you, you're not going to take the needed steps until they're truly in service of your values or until you know that they're leading you towards something that's important for you. It's, I kind of liken it to, you know, you hear stories of parents who will run into burning buildings or jump in front of a speeding car to save their kids, right? There's, you know, no way they would do that under normal circumstances. But when those actions, those courageous actions involve something they deeply love and care about, it becomes impossible not to act. So even in the face of fear, it's still the obvious answer. And this applies to smaller actions too. So yeah, you have to remember that the values are the most important thing here before you even think about taking the step. So if I'm centering myself around my values, I realize that doing the scary thing is more important than the fear that was stopping me. And sometimes all we need is a reminder of this. And that can be the role of your mentor or your coach or a friend or even a coworker. And 
you know, I think all another step would be to remember some strengths you have today and don't even notice anymore because you don't remember a time when you didn't have them. So like thinking about riding a bike or driving a car, right? <laughs> you haven't always known how to do that, but now it's no big deal. So remember times when you were courageous before and it can help you to take that step again. What if your values aren't quite as clear cut as running into a building to save your child <laughs> from a fire? You know, what if it's, yeah, you want to become a professional speaker and you can see yourself up on stage, but when you're about to pick up the phone to pitch yourself for a speaking gig, you lose all courage because you can't deal with hearing a no, or you're afraid that your voice is going to shake while you're pitching yourself. How do right. you connect with your values in that moment? And is there a really quick strategy or something that can get women on track so that they do pick up the phone? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, it, you know, one thing would just be before you pick up that phone is to write down, like you said it right at the beginning of that statement, why do you want to be a speaker? Mm-hmm. What, what led you to this path? What is it that inspires you about the idea of, of speaking and telling your story? What's important about that? I don't think, you know, particularly public speaking is one of those fears that's quite challenging for a lot of people, as you know, to get past. It's one of like the top 10 fears that it's people have. Fear. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, it's a biggie. So if somebody's willing to say the words, I want to be a public speaker, there's got to be some something behind that. There's got to be some value. So I would say it's, a is again, as simple and yet complicated as writing it down before you get on the phone, reminding yourself, what is it I'm trying to achieve here? Why is this story important? Why will this person want to hear what I have to say? And you've just pitched yourself Mm -hmm. in that effort. And so know that it's okay if your voice shakes, that's the courageous step, right? The taking the courage is about your voice shaking and doing it anyway. Yeah. And learning that when your voice shakes, you can still succeed. I think we sometimes as women tend to avoid that, you know, oh my God, what if I fail? Well, what if you succeed? You know, (laughs) we aren't trained from, you know, as little girls to deal with the idea of failure and that failure is an important step in the process of learning Mm -hmm. and adding new skills. So I think it's a combination of couple of those things. But yeah, write it down for yourself to remind yourself, what what is it I'm doing here? Why is this important to me? And why will it be important for them to hear my story? Yeah. And you know, if you are able to pick up the phone and your voice is trembling and the person just says, no, we're not looking for speakers right now, I still consider that a success because you yeah. picked up the phone and you, you did the thing that was scary. And the next time you pick up the phone, it won't be as hard. And right. your voice will shake a little less, but and, gotta, and no, yeah, no doesn't have to mean no forever. Yeah, it just means no right now. So let's say you take a bunch of courageous steps in various places in your life. How do you know when confidence shows up, or, or where does it come from? So how do you know when it shows up? So I think it's you know the feeling of confidence. I was thinking about this before we started talking and I think it's the it's the sort of solid feeling you have of knowing that you don't have to think about how you got there or you don't like like you just said you don't have to think about picking up the phone the next time or the next two or three times because you did it already and you know how you got there. 
So it's that feeling of having done something a bunch of times and knowing you can do it again. Like again, the example of riding a bike or driving a car felt horrible and scary the first time. You know, we have no idea what we're doing, (laughs) but we're willing to take the steps necessary to build those skills. And even if we fall off the bike, we kind of know how to get on and try again. And it's very unlikely that we're going to keep falling off. So it's just that sort of muscle memory in the feeling that says, this is that steady feeling of confidence and I, I like how this feels. The courage that's required for each step, like I think that's never going to go away, right? You have to kind of get comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the confidence is almost like the reward for that uncomfortable feeling. So if you can grab hold of that, you know, notice that really steady, strong, I did this, yay me feeling, that's the confidence and and really hold on to that for next time. Yeah, it almost seems like there's a spectrum that starts with amateur and ends in competence. And as you push yourself, use courage to try and try and try and learn, your confidence increases as you get closer to that competence. Absolutely. But if you stop yourself, you don't take the courageous step, you stay at the amateur level forever and you lack the confidence. Totally. And that, that might feel comfortable. Yeah, (laughs) probably will. (laughs) Yeah, that's easy. (laughs) It's like, you know, a couch to 5k program, right? (laughs) If you want to stay on your couch, go for it. That's going to be comfy. It's going to be warm. It's going to be cozy. You're not going to get rained on. Your feet aren't going to hurt, but you're also not going to get in shape. You're not going to maybe meet some really fun people. You're not going to have accomplished a goal. You'll just be comfortable sitting on your couch and not be any further ahead in your life. So it's not like, you know, not taking the courageous step is the most horrible thing in the world, but it doesn't get you anywhere from where you are right now. Like you said, it keeps you in the amateur stage. Yeah. I love that analogy of couch to 5k. (laughs) That's so perfect. What kinds of mistakes do you see women make when it comes to doing things that scare them and require courage? Oh yeah. There's so many of these and I want to be careful before you know, I launch into this laundry list because they're not our fault, right? Like I really, some of this I find really empowering because when we know these things and we know why they happen to us and why we're inclined to behave this way, it's kind of like we can't unsee them anymore and it's easier to not do it. So (laughs) this is why I like to talk about this because a lot of it's driven by societal expectations on women who, you know, are meant to be nurturers, not providers and supporters and not leaders. And when we step outside those roles, we get our hands slapped. So what happens is that results in us underestimating our abilities and our value. We end up with the belief that, you know, we just need that one more certification or skill set before we can apply for the job. Or, you know, I need, I just need that one more thing before I can start this business or take that leap. And we also tend to wait for permission to start. We don't always aspire to play bigger. And at times we defer to men. (laughs) So we see that in, you know, women who are feeling hesitant about speaking up in a meeting or being talked over by their boss. All of these things that we come by honestly. And that's why I say I, I don't say these things to slap women's hands at all. And this is not something that is a deficiency for women at all. 
these are the results of decades and centuries and even millennia of socialization that tells us that, you know, we're not the leader. So when you think back to, you know, early in school, and again, this is not, again, to slap teachers' hands because I think teachers are doing like the most important job in the world. This is about our society and how we socialize girls. But we socialize them differently from school age on and even earlier. So, you know, if you, I don't know how you feel about this, but I certainly remember it. You know, we're taught to sit still, hand in our homework on time, don't color outside the lines, don't disrupt, you know, and you'll get straight A's. And because those things fit the way we socialize girls, girls do well in school and get A's. While boys can color outside the lines a bit, get a little bit dirty, be disruptive. But when they are disruptive, they don't die from it. (laughs) (laughs) They're still okay. Like maybe they get a detention, maybe they don't because people go, oh, boys will be boys. But they learn that it's okay to do that. They learn that it's okay to take a step outside of what's comfortable for them and it's not a fatal flaw. It's okay. And they're going to learn something of value from that. And I think we do a, such a disservice to girls when you know, we don't give them those opportunities to fail early and often. We don't give them the opportunity to get dirty and you know, make a mistake and color outside the lines. And by the time we get to the work world, these are really important skills to have. Like, What's one of the biggest words in entrepreneurialism and business today? It's disruption. We're disrupting every industry right now, every organization. It's literally the goal of entrepreneurship. (laughs) And women are starting more businesses than men. I I know this stat from Canada for where I live is true. I don't know about your country, but I would imagine it's probably the same. And yet, you know, women are still being slapped in the hand for, for those behaviors. So I think, yeah, it goes back to all of those things and it causes us to make, yeah, and I hesitate to call them mistakes because, you know, it's not like, it's not like we've been trained or taught to do anything different. Yeah. We're just following, yeah, what we've been taught. So in the beginning of your answer, you said that sometimes women won't take that next step because they need to take one more course or read one more book or hire one more coach. What advice would you give to someone who's in that position and feels like, She's just, she's never ready. Yeah. So one of the things that I like to remind my clients is that, you know, I believe they don't need fixing. That is not my role with, you know, in working with them. I don't believe my role is to teach them another skill. I think sometimes it's, we need help to see past that next hurdle that's in front of us, but it's not you know, like you can, you can borrow my ambition until you can use your own kind of thing, but I know you have yours. And so it's my job to remind her that these things all exist within her. And it's just my job to kind of like, I kind of picture it like cleaning a window, right? Like I'm just revealing what's there already. Mm-hmm. It's not that she needs to be someone different than she already is. And I think I was talking to someone about this recently the idea of being different and doing different, we also mix up a little bit. We teach women that they have to be something different when really they don't. And sometimes there is another skill or whatever that, you know, will be beneficial to moving their career forward. But that doesn't mean you don't try in the meantime. Mm -hmm. 
right? You can still do the job. You can just do it better once you have that next skill. Mm -hmm. But I think we just tend to take ourselves out of the game entirely instead of, you know, they say that men will apply for a job when they only have 60% of the job qualifications where women think we need something like between 90 and 100%. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, I mean, that's what we're working. That's what we're competing with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We need to start being okay with B plus or with, you know, I'll get there. I don't need it all right now. I don't have to be perfect to start. And that's, I think, where we get hung up. Yeah. I don't have to be perfect to start. That's a really, really good starting point just to maybe write down and hang next to your computer, put on your phone, like yeah. recite to yourself every morning. Cause that is a, I think a belief that's held by many and it's not productive. Not at but all. If women do get started before they feel like everything is perfect and in place, what kinds of benefits or results can they expect to see by taking that chance and taking that courageous step? Yeah. I I mean, I think your business is a perfect example of this, right? (laughs) You know, you teach yourself that your fear didn't stop you or your fear, not that your fear isn't real because it is, but it has less power when you actually take the step. So, I mean, what more empowering thing is there than to do that. So like, you know, I think you say that you're an unlikely public speaker or someone who always thought you're selfish, shy, but now you, not only do you do it, but you teach other people how to do it. So look at the value that you're bringing to the world of women. And if you had never taken that step, think of all the women that, you know, you're not empowering, that you're not teaching, that you're not helping, that, you know, even young girls that are looking up to you right now, what we would be missing had you not taken that step. And I just think the power and the value in that is just exponential. Thank you. And that's a, that is a really good example. And that's a good question to start with is what would the world be missing if I didn't do this? Yeah. It's such a good prompt for dreaming and seeing and having a vision and just staying focused on the change that can come instead of focusing on the pain or the fear that is associated with taking courageous steps. Absolutely. <laughs> like there's always going to be another scary thing, right? Oh, and every day. Right. Or another fear or another thing that you don't know how to do. But each time you clear one of those hurdles, you're more likely to try it again the next time. Yeah. Yeah. You teach yourself that, like, I think, you know, as women, what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, we tell ourselves, well, I'm not that kind of person, or I don't, I'm not a risk taker. I'm not of this. I'm not of that. You're much more likely to say, I try things. (laughs) If you're actually trying things, if you say you're not a risk taker, you'll believe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a powerful story. You can live, live by. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. Do you have any stories that you can share about what happened when you took courageous steps or someone you know did? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Well, I, I have probably the most recent personal one. Well, actually, since we talked about school, I'll talk about this too. So like, I think my background is kind of similar to yours. My report cards in school <laughs> always had the same comment year after year after year. And they were always Janet should be encouraged to speak up more in class. <laughs> yeah. Or Janet obviously has some great ideas. It would be great to see her put her hand up more and share with the class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things like that. And I would read them and kind of go, ah, 
whatever. <laughs> like literally not going to happen. <laughs> I mm-hmm. just, it was not something I ever wanted to work on, thought I could work on. It just, they clearly didn't get me is how I felt when I read those comments. You know, I was shy, I was introverted and, and you know, that's still my nature. I'm introspective and I listen a lot before I speak and, you know, that's still how I am, but I'm a lot more <laughs> willing to share now than I used to be. So that story, long story to get to this, the idea of starting a podcast was really foreign to me. And I couldn't believe that I was actually telling myself I was going to reach out to people I didn't know, (laughs) ask them to come on my show, let alone, you know, record my own voice and push upload and hope that people would actually listen to what I had to say. (laughs) That was terrifying to me. I can't, the first episode, I remember like having my finger hovering over the upload button going, am I going to do this? Am I going to do this? (laughs) What am I thinking? But I did and it didn't kill me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) And after the first few, I started to love the idea of, you know, meeting a new fascinating woman each time like you to interview. And I would just sort of get lost in the conversation with them and totally forget until later that other people would be listening. And to this point now where I'm just kind of like, yay, who do I get to meet now? Yeah. And what are we going to talk about? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, another thing that's great about podcasting is you meet a lot of great people and you learn so much. I feel like I'm taking a class every time I interview somebody. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) And people that you would never think you're going to get a chance to meet. Yeah. You know, and they're so... Especially because, you know, we both talk to women and I think like women just are dying to share their stories and share with each other and help each other. And this idea that women don't support one another, I just think is total crap. And I think I've really learned that even more through doing this exercise. And yeah, I just love it. But I would also like to give a little shout out to a really good friend of mine who did something courageous within her business because it's a little bit outside of, you know, what I did, which was starting something totally new. She took, her name is Corey Halpern and she's an interior designer in Toronto. And she had a business for many years and she ran it a certain way and it was a certain size, but it wasn't growing. And she started to think about, you know, what do I have to do to change this? Because the way that I'm doing this is frustrating. It's taking all my time. It's taking all my energy, but it doesn't grow. And I'm working way too hard for the value that I'm getting back. And so she started looking into, you know, how are the women in my city, even men doing so well with this? What are they doing that's different from how I'm doing this? And she started taking some classes and going to hear them speak and listening to what they had to say. And she had the courage to, instead of saying, I don't, you know, that's not me. That's not my business, but that's not my clients. You know, like we tend to just give ourselves these excuses to not act. Mm -hmm. Instead of doing that, she just bought right into it dove right in and thought, a scary thought, like what happens if I lose all my clients, right? And I remember that she was really worried about that as one would be because <laughs> she had a business for many, many years. But the thing was, she realized that the clients she had weren't the clients she needed. And so it was okay if those clients weren't going to be her clients going forward. She was going to attract new ones and they would be the kind that she needed in order to have her business become what it needed to become. And that's what happened. 
So she now has a business that's much bigger than it ever was before. It's profitable. She's fully engaged. She's much more widely known now and totally energized by that. And I just give her tons of kudos for taking those courageous steps and, you know, having the courage to listen to that voice in the back of her head saying, if I want something different, I have to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. And so she did. You know, I love that story because it's about risk, but it's also calculated risk. She did yeah. the research, you know, she didn't yes. just like fire all her clients one day. And <laughs> no, she took the time and she really thought about it and she gathered information. And that's such a big part of taking chances is trying to figure out, well, what do I need to know in order to, to sort of reduce the risk in this choice, right? Because yeah. it's still a courageous move, but at least you feel a little bit better about it because you've <laughs> tried to learn <laughs> if it would actually work or not. Well, yeah, there's some evidence that it's worked for other people, first of all, right? But you also have, you know, sort of the confidence that comes from trying a few things and seeing it work. Mm-hmm. So for you and realizing, hmm, you know, I'm not really an outlier here. <laughs> yeah. These people made it work because it's possible for it to work and they're not that special. They just, did what I need to be doing. And so, you know, like the couch to 5k thing, we can stay on our couch and we can keep the same clients we've always had and the same business we've always had, but we're not going to get off our couch. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Any last comments you want to make about courage and confidence? Oh, I don't know. I think just, you know, really lean into it. I think it's know that it's going to feel scary and that that's okay that, you know, the idea of feeling uncomfortable is where you have to be or else you are going to stay on your couch. It is, it's just, it's part of it. It, There's no easy answer. And if anyone tries to sell you an easy answer, run away from that person. (laughs) I really believe that. This is one of those things that, you know, people are constantly trying to find the the simple path to, or, you know, what's the the secret trick that nobody knows? The magic pill. Yeah, the magic pill. And I, I really just don't think there is one. I think it's one of those things that's a simple answer, but a complicated action, right? And it doesn't even have to be complicated. It's just a matter of the fact that it's going to feel a bit icky at first, but, you know, move through that and see what happens. Yeah. Take take that risk. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. Awesome. Thank you. Let's jump into our lightning round. I have Mm. a couple questions (laughs) I ask every guest. (laughs) Number one, if you were given an extra $100 per week, what would you do with it? Oh boy. I think I would invest it in education. And I say that, which sounds crazy because I just finished saying women, you know, are constantly looking for that next. (laughs) But I'm a total lifelong learner. I tell my kids all the time, if I could go back to school and just stay there for the rest of my life, I would fully do that. I don't even know what I would take, to be honest with you, because I have a list as long as my arm, but I would find some kind of course that I could go and just dive into and expand my learning knowledge. And I just think that the more we do that, the more opportunities there are to pull from that learning and make it part of whatever it is that we're doing, right? Like this idea of sort of an expansive base of knowledge that just because it's on one topic doesn't mean it's not relevant to what you're doing and that you can't pull something from that. So I just, I love that idea. And I hope someone gives me a hundred dollars a week and do it. <laughs> Maybe we can make a pitch for it. Yeah. I want to give Janet a hundred dollars a week. She'll teach you something. Yep. You can write to me at Janet at 
BeAmbitiousForHer.com. <laughs> Starting a fund. <laughs> Number two, what is your favorite word and what does it taste like? Oh, this is such an awesome question. <laughs> I love this question. It's so creative. My favorite word has to be ambition. And I even named my business after it. <laughs> I love this word, particularly for women, because I think, you know, it's one of those words that's become gendered that really shouldn't be. It can be used against women as an insult, almost in the, you know, you're too aggressive or you're too much or you're too whatever. It's always has the word too in front of it. Yep. And it's such, but it's such a positive thing and it can mean whatever you want it to mean for your life. It's really just about aspiring for something, having a goal and going for it. And so because of that, what does it taste like? I think it tastes spicy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that because, because of the way that ambition can be different for every woman, like how spice tastes different to everyone, right? Some people like things really super spicy, like so hot they're going to sweat and their eyes are going to water and it's going to be like really challenging to eat that food. And other people can hardly stand like eighth of a teaspoon of cayenne in their chili, right? <laughs> I think that's how we need to look at ambition for women. We need to stop thinking of it like everyone needs to be the president of the United States. It can be, you can have ambition for your volunteer job. You can have ambition for the next job up at your work. You can have an ambition like yours, which is to go out and like literally change part of the way the world works for women. It's literally up to you and what your dream is. And so yeah, I think spicy is a good one. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> cool question. Thanks. Number three, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? Ooh, what does it mean to claim the stage? I think it's, it's literally about having the courage to tell your story. It's about standing in who you are and being okay with that. And that's where the whole courage, confidence cycle comes, I think. You know, your stage, just like ambition, your stage might be a TED talk, it might be speaking in front of your classmates, but whatever that stage is, know that you have something to tell people or something to share with people that they don't have already. And like you said before, if you don't share that story, what are you keeping from the world? Who might you have helped if you had not claimed that stage? Had you not claimed that piece of yourself that you know, could be such a valuable thing or a valuable learning for other people. And I just think it's so important. And that was a big part of why I started my podcast too, was to help other women share those stories with yeah, all of you, us. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about your podcast and where we can find it? Yeah, sure. Thanks. It's called She Breaks the Mold and you can find it at shebreaksthemold.com. I'm in almost the end of season one, which will be over... October 31st will be my last episode with a woman named Kate Germano, who was a Marine Lieutenant Colonel who was fired for doing too good a job. It's quite a story. I should come back and listen to it. She realized there was a lot of gender inequality in the way that female Marines were being trained. And that was leading to women Marines not being as prepared as the men. And so she set out to change that and did change it in under a year in her battalion and they fired her for it. And so she wrote a book called Fight Like a Girl about this issue and she's literally dedicating her life 
to this topic and to gender inequality in the workplace. And she is a fascinating woman. So please come and listen to that on October 31st (laughs) and and after. Mm -hmm. So I interview women who, like you said earlier, who are either doing amazing work in male-dominated fields and breaking the mold or who are doing work that lifts up other women. And I ask every woman who comes on their definition and how they relate to the word ambition. And I give them all an opportunity to be ambitious for another woman. So back to that idea of women supporting women, because I'm trying to dispel this myth that we don't do that. And, you know, I want to say strangely, but it's not strange. Every woman who comes on is so thrilled to tell that story about their person. You can hear their voice light up at the end of the conversation. And so it's like my favorite part. (laughs) I know. I love that that's a part of your podcast experience. And I loved thinking about that and what would I say and why? And it it really made me excited to get the opportunity to share. I'm happy to hear that. Thanks. Is there anything you'd like to promote or share with my audience? Sure. Well, first of all, anyone who is interested in you know, if you're mid-career in your work and you're interested in one-to-one coaching, I offer that at beambitiousforher.com. I'm also launching on November 6th, so it'll probably be too late for this podcast, but I may relaunch it in January, a program called Break Your Glass Ceiling, which is intended for mid-career women, corporate women typically, who are encountering their first glass ceiling. So, you know, I have this idea that And I think it's because it tends to be true for a lot of us at the beginning of our career, we kind of move along and we get promoted a couple times because we're doing a good job and we're recognized for that work. And, you know, it just sort of happens. We don't have to fight that hard for it, but we get to a point where we're maybe manager or senior manager or junior director level. And suddenly, you know, you're not just going to get rewarded for being seen to be doing a good job. You have to be laying out your own path. It's the point where you truly have to become a leader or not. And like we were saying earlier about how girls are socialized and trained, I don't think that these are skills that we are helped along with early in our life. And then there's the unconscious bias that gets (laughs) piled on top of that that says, you know, when we try to negotiate hard for ourselves, we're seen as, you know, bitchy or too aggressive. People don't want to be on teams with us. That's literally words that come out of research when people are viewing a scenario with a woman who's negotiating on her own behalf, that they don't even want to work on a team with her. (laughs) So yeah, it's really sad. So we cover topics like, you know, standing up for your own work, positioning yourself as the next best candidate for an opportunity or a promotion or a raise. We cover negotiation skills and even the skill of aspiring or the skill behind ambition. So how to really grasp the whole concept of what is it that I want? It's harder than we think and we don't always give it a lot of thought. So yeah, that's probably my next thing that I have coming up. I'm in the middle of of that right now. Excellent. Can you repeat your web address again? Yeah. Beambitiousforher.com. Awesome. Well, Janet, thanks so much for coming on the show today to talk about this super important topic and sharing your stories and your experience. I am a huge fan of yours and I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity and right back at you. I love your work. (laughs) Thanks. 
hope you enjoyed today's episode and got a few tidbits to help you on your journey. I love the idea of focusing on your values, focusing on your impact and using that to motivate you to take courageous steps. I think we can all use that advice when making any sort of plans or goals in our life. If you like today's episode, please leave a review and rating on iTunes. It helps more people to find the show and it only takes like a minute. So that would be great. Really appreciate it. And this episode is sponsored by Told Video, original thoughtful storytelling for your brand here to help you with your next step in marketing, a meaningful video. Let your story out into the world, get it told. Learn more at toldvideo.com. Well, that does it for me this week. I hope you enjoyed everything we did here for you today. And I look forward to seeing you or talking to you again in two weeks. But until then, stop waiting, start creating. See you next time. Mm